This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Entertainment Podcast. This is Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Dan Selke, and that's it! Woo! It's only just the two of us, David, bringing our unfiltered insights. We don't have to water down anymore for the plebeians who are usually on this show. And uh, also, please uh, subscribe to our Patreon. (gasps) <gasps> Wait, what? We don't have a Patreon. No, I'm totally kidding. Okay. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> we uh, do not have a Patreon. We do not have a Patreon. Although you world. could, you could um, give us a five star rating and uh, review us and say we're wonderful. That's nice. But uh, we we do not have a Patreon on this uh, no. on this publication. But we do have a Wit Club. We do have a Wick Club. Yes, you can buy a Wick Club shirt and uh, get access to free articles, extra articles, extra videos, a monthly prize, all kinds of good stuff. You like how I led you right into that? That was not on purpose, by the way. That's just no. the magic you get when it's just me and you. I need to plug. Yes, you <laughs> you get more shameless plugs when it's just the two of us. And that's what the people really want, I think, is um, advertisements for things they can purchase with their money. I agree 100%. Um, let's move into the first topic of the night. The Mandalorian, um, has been absolutely well, David. I know, right? Right? The, yeah, Mandalorian, the Mandalorian is doing gangbusters online, Dan, and I would like to know how you, a non-Star Wars person, has been... You know, free. You've been, you've seen really open about it. Like you're really accepting the love of Baby Yoda into your heart. And is it because of Baby Yoda, or because of the just the all around general like awesomeness of the show? I feel like Baby Yoda. I was thinking about this before. Like I, I think like that is the kind of phenomenon level buzz that not even Disney could buy. Right. Like, I don't think anybody saw that coming i don't think anybody saw laura dern tweeting that she saw baby yoda at a basketball game level publicity sometimes (laughs) sometimes that just happens like and i mean it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy kind of thing like with i mean like my concern is that of course disney is the person my only problem with the baby yoda love and the Mandalorian itself is that it's coming from Disney. 
<laughs> which already has all the money and all the accolades. It, it, it would be cooler if it were coming for a lesser-known show, like, you know, an underdog story that's breaking mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's hard for me to be too mad because Bibiota is cute, and the show is really, really excellent. I mean, and- part, part of me doesn't like to even say it because <laughs> di- because Disney is already <laughs> so powerful and like so creeping into like monopolistic territory that I don't really like <laughs> want want to praise them if, if, unless they earn it. But they've earned it. I mean, that show is great. I really am enjoying it. I mean, the question is, do you think it's worth all? all the hullabaloo it's getting because i mean like the show is a success i think probably beyond what even disney thought it would be it's it's people are talking about it non-stop it surpassed like stranger things and snl is like the most buzzed about show in the u.s and it's not even out in uh europe yet or yeah they don't get it or, until 2020 yeah like a bunch of markets are south america yeah a lot of markets don't have disney plus yet i would say this um, I share your concern about Disney being the con- controller of all the things, um, but also I don't think – I also agree with you. You could not have scripted this to be any better of a a launch for a streaming service yeah. for, for one. Like, I mean I, I am kind of concerned now what's going to happen to Disney Plus once The Mandalorian's over in – uh, what I guess it's eight episodes Christmas. or four more episodes. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, they're, they're in and around Christmas. Uh, I mean, you know, they have other things that they just said today that Jar Jar is going to host a game show. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> From I mean, the most beloved to the to, to the most reviled. <laughs> I feel like the prequels, and I mean, and if you're a Star Wars guy, so you probably noticed this. I'm not sure about Jar Jar specifically, but the prequels have kind of had a a bit of a renaissance in the past like five or so years, a yeah. reconsideration, if you will, of people in the critical community going back and saying like, but were they really that bad? You know, cause it's been like 15 years out from or all like the anger about it. And I do feel like the people who were young enough to like have that, that was their first Star Wars movies and just kind of, they were kids and they liked it are growing up and they're starting to like them more. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there is definitely a market. I'm not sure people like Jar Jar. That might be like the exception that nobody likes, but I feel that like that is a step too far, my friend. Yeah, but I, I feel like the prequels people have kind of softened on them over the years, and um, I'm sure there's room for, like, look, uh, be honest. If you got to like go through an obstacle course game show and thwack things with fake lightsabers or whatever they'll do, and get like a <laughs> I'm a Jedi Knight medal, would you do it? Absolutely right. Right now, as a matter of fact, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fine. I mean, like on Disney Plus, they you're right. The Mandalorian is like is is their big ticket item, and by far the thing people are talking about most. They have quite a lot of original programming though, but it's all like that kind of like kitschy, cutesy stuff. It's like you know, oh, we have this show where we reunite um, Encore, that thing that Kristen Bell hosts. Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're like we reunite these uh, people who put on a high school play like 20 years ago and they're going to do it again. Or, you know, we have this show where Jeff Goldblum does whatever the hell. I don't even know what he does exactly. He just whatever he wants. Like, yeah, sure. Um, the Mandalorian is their only like big ticket original series that is really drawing in people until I think those Marvel series start coming out 
mm-hmm. um, next year, which will also, I'm sure, be huge. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, hey, like one big ticket series this big is more than a lot of streaming services have. And I mean, honestly, at six bucks a month, I'm too lazy to go through every streaming service I already have and to just to find Disney Plus to cancel it once the Mandalorian's over. I would just keep it just for six bucks of extra like, month. For me, it's been a Mandalorian and Simpsons machine. And like I think that's worth six bucks. <laughs> and see for me it's been I've been doing the Mandalorian and I've been going back through with the the Clone Wars because I love those. Yeah. And so, I mean there there are shows and of course they everything all the way back to the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you know, you've got all it's kind of an all encompassing type thing and I just don't think that you could have asked for anything for a better launch. And then like you said, they get into the Marvel shows and there's going to, you know, like I'm really excited about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I you know, cool. yeah, the whole that. buddy the whole buddy cop thing is exciting to me. And the fact that you get to have all your Star Wars movies and all your Marvel movies on one cheap streaming service that you can take anywhere you go. I mean, honestly, it's already got Netflix beat by a million. So, yeah, I don't know about that. I think that. I mean, at this point, I I, I like the original shows on Netflix a lot better um, because there's just more of them and there's a, a deeper variety. Like I'm rewatching just because I, I just fin- I just finished the BoJack Horseman, like the most recent season. That's a great show. And I, I'd forgotten, like, I'm going back and watch, like, yeah, this is a really fucking good show, like, in those earlier episodes. Um, that Tukin Birdie thing was great. I just finished watching that. Um, I, I feel like that, I mean, I'm not off Netflix at all. I think there's tons of stuff. But but Disney Plus, I, I mean, I always knew it would be here to stay, especially if you have kids. Like, neither of us have kids because we're, no. I don't know, God I just, I, yeah, I could but, never do that to myself. But God, if you do... <laughs> Like Disney Plus must be a a no brainer. Like oh. obviously get it and and sit your kid down in front of Beauty and the Beast just let it rip. Listen, my parents had five children, and they used to sit us in front of the TV back when you had to pay for Disney the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. So that Disney was already a big part of my life. So yeah, if I had kids now, I, like if my wife and I were to have a bouncing baby boy or girl, that kid would be raised by Disney Plus. That kid at totally. age two would be learning how to like filter its own favorites. <laughs> so... Oh god, kids nowadays. I'm I'm sure, like at three years old, they are doing things on the iPad I do not know exist with the functionality. <laughs> I know they're so much smarter than we are. I feel but, like I'm getting uh, a little topic about the Mandalorian because I, I no. really, I really am liking the show itself too. It, it, it has impressed me a lot. You know, like I, I've been curious about like what this first wave of like post Game of Thrones shows is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, now that Game of Thrones has laid down the gauntlet and said, okay, TV can be like this. TV can be this big and expensive and complicated. Like, what shows are going to capitalize on that? And I feel like Watchmen is doing it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I, I feel like some shows are kind of failing. Like Historic Materials, I think, is trying to do the Game of Thrones thing and not really pulling it off because it's it's boring the boring the eyes out of my head. Yeah, hard but, agree. Um, the Mandalorian, I think, has been so smart because it's it's doing 
it, it's taking the cues from Game of Thrones as in it's this big budget, obviously. It's sweeping and epic, but also it's, it's smaller in, like, scale. It's more intimate. It's these half-hour kind of to 40-minute episodes. It's these, like, the most recent episode was a standalone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, my God, <laughs> God bless it. I forgot standalones. I forgot what standalones were like. Because not, <laughs> not every episode has to, like, be part of this giant epic story, and you miss one, you're out. Like, there was just an episode where he goes to a town. It was totally a Seven Samurai ripoff or whatever. It was fine. Great movie. Um, he goes to a town. He gets invited there. He hangs out. He meets some characters. They f- have a fight. And then he leaves. A standalone episode of TV. Who knew? So refreshing. And um, so I-, I think they're doing something really smart where they're having like a-, a-, a seasonal arc, but they're not going the full Game of Thrones and like just having a giant story from one thing to the other without any kind of pit stops in between. Yeah. They- they're actually innovating a bit. Whereas I feel like there are some shows um, that are hewing a little too close to the formula and uh, are just not doing enough to change it and are going to fail. But The Mandalorian, I think, is being very, very smart about how it follows up on such a big game changer. I'm wondering if uh, companies like Amazon are si- or Amazon and Netflix are sitting back and going... Huh, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say like the Netflix and Witcher, but that's already too late. The Witcher's coming up pretty soon. Yeah. But I'm talking about Amazon with like Lord of the Rings and the other million other shows that Will of Time that has coming out. Like if they're sitting back and going, "Oh my God, look at this little streaming service from Disney," and they're carrying it on the shoulders of this little bitty green baby, you know? Yeah, I bet they are. I bet they. Oh my god, I want to start adding in. You see, but but that's their problem. And that's where I have to give Disney props. Like, they are going their own way with this. And I, I, I feel like I feel like the Lord of the Rings and the Wheel of Time shows, they might be great, but they are clearly kind of responses to Game of Thrones. And like, they're already trading on big games. A, yeah, like find me a giant ass, you know, like book se- book fantasy book series, and I'm gonna adapt it. From start to finish, a Lord of the Rings yeah. is a little different, but whatever. And um, and yeah, and and and, and they're going to have that format where it's just one long story throughout. And the Mandalorian is doing its own thing, just like yeah, we can we can have a, an arc, we can have standalones, we can have half hour episodes, and just and, and we're going to do something a little different and attract people. And I bet they are, they seem more reactive. So I bet they would be like, yeah, oh my god, we have to have. A baby golem or something. In, in our <laughs> oh my god, and that would be suck. awful. And it'll be terrible, and they'll deserve their failure, or they'll knock out of the park. We'll see. <laughs> baby golem. I can't even imagine that. That would just right. that would that would ruin everything in this entire world for me. Honestly. Because. I was I was thinking maybe a baby elf, uh, but no, you've seen baby elves on in Lord of the Rings and are not really, have we? No, I guess we haven't. We've seen. I guess not. No. Still though, nothing's ever going to compare baby. to Baby Yoda sipping soup, or changing the radio station on the on the uh, spaceship, or any number of things that Baby Yoda has done. And and I love the fact that. 
Bryce, like Bryce Dallas Howard, got her directorial uh-huh. debut from the show, and it was probably the best episode of the season. And I won't go that far, but I mean, uh, I mean, like God, what a charm life she had, right? <laughs> I mean, born Ron Howard's daughter gets into acting young, just like. I feel like I want to direct. And then, like, her dad worked on Solo. So, like, yeah, get on The Mandalorian, like, the biggest show currently on television. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, obviously, Ron did uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. So you've got a little bit of Star, a Star Wars royal royal blood there going. But um, huh. there's just been some really great things about the show. Like, not even, okay, look, if, if we could just take a departure from Baby Yoda for a I minute. I mean, and it's, it's, it's film literate too. Like this latest episode, like me as a as a film geek, like I love that it was obviously a Seven Samurai ripoff. Like mm-hmm. it was completely going there, which makes perfect sense because of course George Lucas ripped off the Hidden Fortress, the Kurosawa for Star Wars. So it made sense for me that John Favreau's like, okay, I'll go back to and the same Kurosawa guy and Dune. Yeah, probably Dune too, but he's acknowledged that Hidden Fortress is like a big thing for him. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll go back to that too. I loved um, the shot of the ATSTs like blowing eyes in the dark. That was great. Yeah, um, very menacing. Like they're finding these new ways to make these kind of old, um, like creatures and machines and just imagery pop in a way that I that I've as like a casual Star Wars viewer have never really found enthralling before. Like they're really finding a way to make it work. You know when the last time we saw an, you know when the you know when the last time we saw an ATST on screen was? I don't know. It was getting blacked by teddy bears on Return of a Jedi. I do recall that. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, my wife still calls it a a, a robotic chicken. Yeah. So I mean, you know, (laughs) they repurposed it, and now it's very cool. And it was very cool. Oh, that it was great. That scene where, like, uh, will it step in the muck? Like, did they did they dig it out right? It was good. Yeah, it was good. And then it ended. God bless it for ending, dude. Like that show doesn't demand a lot of you. That's one of its best qualities, I think. Like Watchmen is the opposite, right? Like Watchmen, not a lot of folk are actually watching it because, like, if you watch that show, you have to do like homework. You have. I love Watchmen. I'm, I really am loving it. But you yeah. have to, like, pay attention. You have to read the – well, you don't have to, but it helps to read the source material. Like, there are all these little subtle challenging things. It's about, like, touchy, um, you know, charged subject matter. It's not surprising to me that it's not – that a- a- as good as it is, it's not really getting a whole lot of viewership. But The Mandalorian, the brilliant thing about it is that it doesn't make huge demands of your time. It's like there's a dude, and he's a badass. And he wants to protect a baby that is easy as hell to understand. <laughs> and it's all just in the style of it. And again, these like 35 minute episodes are so wonderful to me. Yeah. Um, it, it's all just in the execution of just it being fun. And like the actual understanding comes very, very easy. I mean, again, it, it's a very Disney kind of move, really. Just keep it accessible keep it exciting but not like too violent or offensive um and they're doing it man they're they are really impressing me and that's why their sequel trilogy which is coming to an end in december or we are in december coming to an end later this month is kind of 
kind of stalled with um, OG Star Wars fans is because it is too relatable and too accessible and too too nice, like too like there's not enough edge to it. Like I mean, you go back and you watch the original trilogy, and before you got to Return of the Jedi, you know, like Empire Strikes Back, you had uh, Darth Vader cutting off Luke Skywalker's hand. I mean, that was pretty violent for me as a kid. Like, you know. Yeah, but it was bloodless, and he, like, you know, got it back in literally the next scene. I remember watching... nuts here. I I remember watching um, that movie when I... I My my wife got it for me for, like, our first anniversary. And I've been married for 20 years now, so she got that movie, the whole... the, The trilogy from our first anniversary because when... Um, after we'd been married a year, the prequels starting to come out, and um, so they had all these specials, and I'm watching Empire Strikes Back, and I'm going, this movie really is weak sauce. <laughs> it's still my favorite of, of the original trilogy, but it's not, what is going on here? And then you move into Revenge of the Sith, and you know, you've got Anakin Skywalker to completely going over the dark side, killing the, the younglings, having that fight on Mustafar with Obi-Wan. So you had some really edgy moments. And then of course you get to the sequel trilogy and you just don't, you haven't had that yet. I think we'll see something. Hopefully we'll see something along those lines with rise of Skywalker. I mean, look, the Anakin fight stuff. I mean, I was old enough to remember that being really dumb. Isn't that like I have the high ground or whatever. That stupid ass line. Oh yeah. But the battle too. Terrible stuff. It was fine. God, what was that bit? Was it like, did he literally say like, you're evil. From my perspective, the Jedi are evil. I still remember that. Even when I saw that in the theater, I was going like, that is a terrible way to write that. Why would you do that? Like, George well, Lucas. What I'm saying is, like, edgy and gritty does not mean good. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. Um, but we like what we like, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's the, that's, that's the takeaway here? I don't know. Um, yeah, like what you like, man. Did you know that Lando is non-binary now? I saw that. That's we shouldn't it. talk about it, actually. It's a terrible idea. I saw that, and I was like, wow, okay. Uh, so let's uh, get into uh, our next topic of the night, Watchmen. Okay. Um, I've been looking forward to talk about this. Um, I'm so into the show right now. Yeah, And to me, it feels like we're – like we said this two weeks ago with uh, Little Fear of Lightning. We said this two weeks ago. The show keeps getting better and better. I feel like with six and seven, it only got better and better. And I don't know how much I can keep saying that without feel like I'm watering down the, the content. I don't know. Like I just feel like <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like it's that good. And um, this extraordinary being, I and mean, we don't have to hit it episode I, by episode, but this extraordinary being, we do need to talk about. It really was uh, transcendent to me as far as an episode of any uh, show that's been on television in a long time in a long while goes, in my opinion. Oh yeah, it was. I thought it was powerful, experimental, challenging, difficult, enthralling TV. Yeah, it was a. I was never less than completely involved. I was watching with my eyes glued the entire time. Like that is a series. To me, Watchmen is the opposite of The Mandalorian. Like, if The Mandalorian is doing the cool thing, is doing something innovative by stripping things down and make and, and make itself really approachable and accessible and saying, 
like it's not hard to understand this you can just jump right in anywhere and pretty much get the gist and it's really easy to watch watchmen is kind of the opposite where it is i i I already said this but you need to work to get this but it pays (laughs) off that's why maybe it's not a lot of people are watching it that's exactly what i'm watching i'm guessing but like but but it pays off because that was yeah it was it was complex it was wonderful it it was really really good <laughs> i don't know what else what, what i can say it too deep too detailed about it should we discuss what we loved about yeah, it let's do that but i want to welcome Corey smith to the podcast he finally joined us oh so, hi Corey. how's it Sorry, going there changing, smith? Uh, changing consecutive poop diapers um delayed me but yeah I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Corey, I mean, you as a father, we were talking about this, if we had kids, do you think you'll find Disney Plus a valuable resource when your kids get to the age you can plot them in front of a Disney movie and just kind of let it rip? Yeah, I mean, we tried doing that. My So my oldest daughter is a little over two years old. So we tried doing that the other day with uh, The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Didn't go too well. Um, that that's still pretty young. Yeah, I mean she she's real good with like navigating YouTube and you know really? clicking on video. Oh yeah, she she knows how to work an iPad. Um, <laughs> she knows how to open apps, and if she know if she knew my password, I mean she knows how to make phone calls on my phone. It's kind of wild, but but like the attention span is just not there yet. So. Sure. You know, like a movie is a little much for her, but, you know, that makes two, sense. Th- two, three minute video about, you know, tractors or, you know, whatever that can do her attention. But yeah, I but once, at- once she gets older, Disney Plus probably going to be our number one app, I bet. Yeah, it'll be like the third parent. Like, I think that like six, seven, eight, nine, ten will be like the perfect time. Yeah. So, but I mean, I'm, we're, my wife and I are enjoying it. I mean, we've already watched. You know, like Aladdin and Little oh, yeah. Mermaid, and obviously Lion King, and you know some of the movies that kind of came out when we were we were growing up that right. you know you never wanted to pay twenty five dollars for on DVD or whatever. <laughs> so, see, price point important. Yeah. So, and obviously, the Mandalorian's um, pretty amazing so far. So, Stay I mean. The game. Yeah, I mean, and everybody I have talked to is just raving about Mandalorian. Um, yeah, we we discussed it. I just, like, no one can shut up about it, which is great. I, I think we all love it. Yeah, well, my cousin had a real good quote uh, Thanksgiving we were talking about. It. He said that per per minute, he thinks it's his favorite show on TV. Like, just for the amount of his, as, you know, and he was talking about just how kind of short the episodes are he just didn't get so much enjoyment out of it in such a short time um which i think is obvious i mean i think is one of the keys to his success is that it's short and all that oh, stuff so yeah I, I could not agree more your cousin's a genius did you the, the only thing that i would uh say competes with it is watchmen if you're just talking about now yeah well so real quick though, did y'all talk about the everybody's freaking out about the one the lady in uh, the camp that could that could actually shoot? Um, you know, oh god, do we have to talk about that? <laughs> I didn't know. It seems like the dumbest thing. Like, and and I kind of liked that they didn't explain. Just let some characters have a little bit of mystery to them and have Why a little bit of. Would they you know? have to explain anything? 
Why? What's the yeah. point? She can shoot. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's you know what you're going to do a giant flashback with her? Right. And she had a, she's like 35, whatever. She did some shit in her life. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I like that they didn't explain it, that they didn't go into some, you know, tragic backstory with her where she, you know, whatever. They just, she knew how to shoot and that was that. And, you know, people kind of freaked out about it, but I, I like that. I don't. I haven't seen many people on my side of things freaking out about it. I know. I know why they gave her more screen time, though. I mean, she was. She's from Twilight, and she did uh, one of the best episodes of Westworld season two, uh, Kiksuya. So, um, oh, right. Her. I just don't, I really yeah. So she's deserving of extra screen time. So maybe they gave her something extra to do. I don't know why. We might see her again. We might what? see the Mandalorian go back to that planet to hang up his helmet for a good. Off season before getting into season two, season four, he'll, he'll yeah. go back there and do it. Okay, look, before we move but, on, can I kind of say the obvious? And I know this is politics, and I shouldn't do it. Whatever. Look, people criticizing or being upset because why can a woman shoot? That sounds like gamergate sexist nonsense to me. You don't hey, like that a woman can do something. Listen, that's I'm what it Texas. sounds like. How I'm from, how I'm from Texas. A lot. Most of the women I know can shoot. So um, it did. It didn't. I didn't even think about it. Like no, it didn't even did occur I. to me right. until. Like I kind of thought, oh, okay, we're gonna get a little backstory, but then we didn't. And I, you know, it's not like something that bothered me. I just kind of thought at the time. But I, yeah, it's stupid to even that like. Sounds like the complaint someone who was upset about a female video game developer would make. Like it yeah. like a purity <laughs> test sort of thing. Yeah, it, I, I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a nitpicky kind of, I mean, I was more worried about where the hell they got the ATSD. Like, that made less sense to me than... See, uh, me too! I was like, right? where did this come from? Okay, and the other, okay, and here's that my That made nitpick. sense to me, because I figured that, like, you know, the whole idea is that the Empire's gone, right? And yeah. they had they had this, like, bases all over the place. They must have, like, left equipment all over the galaxy. Like, yeah, when or people collapsed, started like, selling boom. it on the black yeah. market. Exactly. Like, when when the Soviet Union collapsed, I mean that made sense. The only other thing, there, yeah. the only other thing I didn't, you know, if we're if we're talking nitpicks, like people worrying about the lady that could shoot were, was silly. But when they were both like, "Hey, you know, there's nothing on this planet that could take out an ATSC," I'm like, "What about Homeboy's ship? Because that thing's got guns on it and missiles and all kinds of crazy shit." <laughs> That's so true. Like, you know, that was the only thing I was like, "Why don't you just hitch a ride back to your, you know, your ship?" And then, you know, aerial bomb it or whatever. I mean, that was my little nitpick if you're going to, you know, but a woman that can shoot, I mean, who cares? Like, y'all, that's just being stupid. But okay. Yeah. Anyways. May we never speak of it again. Yes, we will never. I have spoken. Again. Until the <laughs> next, have... complain about the next thing, which I'm sure they will. It'll be fun. We have spoken. We so, have spoken. Uh, let's get into Watchmen. Like, uh, right before you got, came on, Corey, we were talking about. Um, the past two episodes we missed from the last time we recorded Take the Black. Um, we were talking about this extraordinary being and how amazing it was. Uh, did you get a chance to get really involved in the episode? Did you feel yourself? Did it live up to the hype that we talked about it? Okay. So, um, disclaimers, I have two small children, so sleep is a precious thing. But I wasn't that into... The incredible being. What, what's it, the uh, I'm, this I'm extraordinary not, being? Okay, m- my bad. So I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I 
did, I don't think it lived up to the hype, but also it really was not what I was expecting at all. I think before the season started and we all heard season or episode six, you know, was the best. I think maybe we kind of in our heads thought it would involve some big Dr. Manhattan twist. Um, and then I, so when, that I thought that might have happened, but then when they did the preview for the episode, I right. was like, there's no way they're doing Manhattan reveal. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was part of it. Um, I mean, I think I've said this on, you know, other podcasts. I, I do feel like kind of the show, if it has a weakness, is that it tends to wander. And that was a whole hell of a lot of time to spend on a character that, I mean, I don't necessarily know how important to the show is. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> but before we get into that, and, and we can get into that. I also have to believe that th- that that episode is the one that made cranky old uh, Alan Moore really hate the series. No, are um, you kidding? I bet Alan Moore would love that one. That's I okay, not a classic. Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. I just feel like, as far as you know, that's the one that because you know there was a there was a sequel comic book series that came out to Watchmen a few years. It's back. still out. Like DC's is still it, running. Is it still sequels. going? Okay. Yeah. So, and I know he spoke out against that too. And um, I think a lot of his, and I could, this is, could be me drawing my own conclusion, but I think a lot of his frustration or just being old man grumpiness or whatever was they were kind of changing what he had done. And I think if, if I had to guess, and again, this is just me, I mean, th- that episode really changed. I mean, put a justice and gave him this completely different backstory than we all expected and changed, you know, everything about that. So I could see him kind of getting a little cranky about that. Not that it probably takes very much to get him cranky. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't know. And that, that could be me, but I mean, I thought it was a good episode. It was just, it just did seem a little bit long for, I don't know, but anyways, Clearly, okay. I've, clearly I've kicked the hornet's nest, so go ahead. All right. So first of all, th- I think it's hilarious that you think Alan Moore has watched even one minute of this show. Like, I would bet every penny I have. <laughs> not only does he not have HBO. No, but I'm he hated sure it. He hated it before it came out. So I of feel like he got he wind. Of, oh, no, 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 no. I, I feel like he kind of got wind and they're like, oh, we're going to change her to justice. To... Listen, I love Alan Moore. I listen to his interviews. He he hates the fact that they are continuing anything. He hated the movie that was an adaptation of his work. He hates the other comics. He hates the show. But he, he hates it on principle. Alan Moore is a man of principle. And his principle is, leave me alone. I hate everything. I would be shocked. <laughs> I, I really would. I would be shocked if he'd seen any of it. I don't think he's involved yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I'd probably agree I mean, on that, too. That, 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 that's my, maybe, I, I, I don't know the man. He's a giant bearded wizard. Um, in terms of the episode, I thought they needed every minute. In fact, I thought it could have been longer, because the few blind spots I thought it had were with a couple of the characters that didn't quite went there. In terms of its importance, I think what's nice what's <laughs> about Watchmen is that how focused it has been. And I, I contrast it with Historic Materials, which is a show I'm watching where they just have scene after scene that goes nowhere, and they're stretching it out. I think Watchmen has been very, very tightly focused 
on the story it's trying to tell. And the reason this episode is so important is because what it's doing, what it's trying to, I mean, Dr. Manhattan is a part of the story, yes. But what it's really trying to do, in my opinion, is tell the story about the history of race in America. And to really make you feel that, I think it was absolutely the right choice to go back and do an extended episode with a a character, a black man of the 1930s, an era of naked racial hatred, and do things like have that point of view shot where he is lynched and you're in you're in his point of view as he does it to actually like what i love so much about it was that i understood why he was doing what he was doing like of course if you're a police officer and you're working with white police but by the way do you know that 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 the sergeant who like swore him in was a real guy as was uh uh sheriff uh boss i forget his name the guy from the silent movie, um, they have the, they, they're really smart about the historical references. Anyway, uh, of course it would be if you're a police officer and you're working with white police officers who are themselves racist, which, I mean, they're not supervillains in the real life, but that's probably what it was like in the 1930s in New York anyway. Yeah, I mean, what are your options except for vigilante justice? And their points about how it struck home to me, like when his wife June was saying, like, they got to think you're white or they're not going to call you a hero. You got to paint your eyes white. Well, that was brilliant. It, his anger came across very, very clearly. And I think that's what this particular show is trying, it, it's, is trying to say. It's about racial injustice. It's about the history of American racism from the Tulsa massacre back through, you know, through Jim Crow after that, back to slavery before that, how it's this unbroken chain and it's putting it in terms of supervillainy. I mean, obviously, it's taking the cue from Watchmen and kind of turning it into, you know, twisting it with a superhero twist. But that's what the story is about. So I think it makes perfect sense to spend an extended period of time with this character who kind of exemplifies this anger born out of America's history of racial unfairness. I think it's very key to what the show is trying to say. I thought every minute was spent quite well. And think about the fact that um, they put the character that we didn't really have a definitive answer about from the comic books. Uh, Hooded Justice just—it was always thought that he either his body washed up, like they, they never came out and said how he died or where who killed the Hooded Justice. We didn't know what happened with that. So really he smart. took, but yeah, they took a character who was the very first master vigilante and then they gave him a solid background and you when when people go like this is one okay i wanted to make this point earlier is watchman uh dan said something before you came on Corey, uh which was very important for this part um watchman is either a show that you need to know a little bit about the source material to get and to hang in there with yeah I'm para- for sure. paraphrasing um or, you know, you, it's, it's, this is not the kind of show that you just hop into and go, oh, my God, what an amazing show. Because you wouldn't. You'd be like, uh, what am I even watching right now? So this would, this episode, to me, would have made me want to go back and read the literature. Yes. Very much so. I, have, I have been trying to find my copy of it. I, you know, it's in a box somewhere in the house. But I, I agree with you on that point, to be sure. 
But yeah, so that's what really came up to, to when I first watched uh, this extraordinary being, and I've seen it like three or four times now because I always go back and rewatch it's, it. Yeah, and I probably need to go back and rewatch it. I was I was falling asleep a little halfway through, and you know, because it's dad <laughs> stuff, and yeah, yeah you yeah. know, it it is a little bit. I mean, y'all can at least grant me it's a little bit of a slower, more character focused episode. So you know, on it three hours, sure. oh, on right, three. Uh, but that, no, but that doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, so I mean, I I, I didn't think it was a terrible episode or anything. I just I, I think my expectations were different from what we end up getting, um, and so maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Did it? I think that. Sorry, go ahead. I was just making a Game of Thrones joke, subverting of the expectations. Oh, that's funny. You're funny. Yeah, you're, um, you're so funny. I do think that that it does come down to what you want out of a show. And I think that we've had this talk before on this podcast. Like, I am definitely a character guy. Like, I'm always more interested in that than I am. Like, the turns of the plot. Like, to me, like, okay, like, give me your plot twist. But it doesn't really matter if I'm not invested. And the way oh. you get me invested is to have, to do a deep dive character thing. That's why my favorite episodes have been easily The Extraordinary Being. I think it's the best one in my mind without question. And my other favorite is the one with Lori Blake, the first one she shows up in. I mean... This most recent one, I enjoyed it a lot, but I, I like a lot more the ones where it slows down to look at the character rather than the ones where, like, you know, the plot's barreling forward. Although yeah, that both needs to happen. You need both, I think. Yeah, you do. And, and I'd agree with you, too. I mean, I think that was Game of Thrones' strength for a long time was that we got really into these characters. So when those big moments did happen, yeah, that's what made us feel them so much. And Obviously, later in the seasons, they didn't invest as much, and that's why we didn't feel as much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with you on that one. And, and it seems like we're all – are we alternating? I haven't gone back and looked. Are we alternating at the, at the deep dive, you know, character episodes and the, and the plot driven episodes? Not really. Because um, we had Glass and we had Blake. One thing. I What's thought that? they were doing that for a while. It's, it seems more like they're just kind of – that that they're, that they're mixing it up. Um, yeah. I'm not sure it's deep dive other thing. It's okay. I mean, it doesn't need to I be mean, a flavor. Glasses, glasses episode still drove the plot forward pretty well, and I mean yeah. to an extent, so did the Lori Blake episode. Um, but it does seem like they are kind of they do kind of switch off, even if it isn't every other episode or whatever exactly. I but. mean, this one did too. I mean, b- before this extraordinary being, Will Reeves was a big question mark for me. Now right. I'm invested in him. Like I want to know what he knows, and I want to. I care about what happens to him now. Like I, I will say, I am thing. wondering why. Like what in his backstory made him want to come and find his granddaughter? You know what I mean? A vast and insidious conspiracy, Corey. Legacy. No, I, I, it can't just be that, right? Like I know he's probably part of something, or he knows something, or whatever, but. It seems like he's there for more personal reasons than than just whatever the insidious plot is. Or I don't know. I mean, this is this is where um, the Seventh Cavalry is operating, and they are part of Cyclops, and he his life's work to stop Cyclops. Makes sense. Like he came to Tulsa. I, I'm. I, I mean, there are still questions about him, but uh, I'm more interested in having them answered now than I was before. Yeah. And. You know what, like, if you want to talk about the way the episodes have been going, I kind of feel like 
if you look at the first few, yeah, it kind of felt like an alternating. Or we're going to talk about this character and this character and this character. But the last, since um, probably, okay, well, starting in episode six, if it, it felt like we're really ramping up to the finale, which is how a series or a, you know, or a season should wrap up. I hope it's uh-huh. not a, I hope this isn't the series finale, or if it is, I hope he knocks us off our ass with episode nine. But um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this: they've been slowly building the plot with uh, Regina Regina King's character, you know, uh, Sister Knight, and like like even this whole episode from this past Sunday when you had little little homicide Regina King, <laughs> little uh, um, Angela Abar get that movie off the rack, you know, uh-huh. like, and you figure out, oh, that's cool. And then you, you just kind of follow the breadcrumbs from there. My question to you guys is, after seeing um, episode six, after knowing that um, in at, at the end of episode five, she swallowed uh, all the nostalgia pills. Was that the end of, end of episode? Yeah. yeah, if that, if that yeah. had not happened... Do you think we'd be getting all the memories? Like, do you think that Will is in Saigon, and some of the memories that she's seeing could be from his point of uh, see? Yeah, I want to see that. I guess that's what I was also asking was, you know, when we talk about him, there would have been other ways for him to like share his memories just by talking to Angela and saying, "Hey, I'm hooded justice." This is what I went through, blah, blah, and like sitting down and sharing the story. It wouldn't have been as dramatic, but I, I got to feel like there was a reason why he chose nostalgia pills instead of just like coming clean with his granddaughter and telling her that, right? And I think. I mean, her job would be to catch him. I mean, he's a vigilante, she's a police officer. Although she's also kind of vigilante, but whatever. Yeah, I but mean, I, 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 well, I, I don't know. I I'm just saying. It. I, I think there might be something to what David's saying that he might have been there in Saigon or he might have been in her life somehow in another way or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yep. I actually, I actually hadn't thought about that, but he might be in Saigon. I was, I took it as a, I did think it was clever of them to, to do this flashback and justify it narratively by saying, you know, you're going through withdrawals, you're experiencing vivid memories. I thought that was smart, because, like, you know, there's plenty of ways to just, we're having a flashback episode, but to actually (laughs) work it to work it into what she's experiencing was a good way at a script level to keep us involved, which I liked. And, okay, so, Dan, you asked me the night it aired, was the elephant, just the fact that elephants have a long, the joke about the elephant memory? Is Is that what that was all about? I don't know, man. Why do they have an elephant in there? How'd they get it in there? Yeah, um, how'd they even get yeah. the elephant in there? I have no Yeah, it didn't seem like it fit through that a... little door. <laughs> no, it didn't at all. Maybe they grew it in there. Um, I thought it was a uh, an elephant's have long memory joke. Well, also, I mean, practic- you know, in a, in a practical sense, they were they said that, that the tube was hooked up to spinal fluid or something. Yeah. So, I mean, if she's needing that much, obviously, like, an elephant has a much larger spine than a human would would I, I don't know i mean i think it's probably the memory thing but yeah um can we also acknowledge that like the millennial tower or millennium what's it called millennium clock millennium, millennium clock. clock 
has the worst security system in like the history of the world. Like literally she just picked up a rock <laughs> and like hit that pad and they're like, Oh, okay. Door open. Oh yeah. Like, that is a really badly designed thing. I'm like, come on. She didn't have to like hotwire it or like knock out a guard <laughs> and take his hand or she literally just picked up a rock and was like, pow. And it opened right up. I was like, come on, man. But, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I do think there are little like niggles in the plot like that that are oh, a little bit. Yeah, like I like, don't let that stuff bother me. I'm just, I just, it, I notice it, and I think it's. Funny. Oh no, I, I, it, I, I notice it too. It's just, I, I think this, this is a good example of like, like there are shows where things like that would like throw me off. Sure, but, but something like Watchmen, like the bulk of it is so good. Like it, there's a difference between a show where you already kind of don't like it. So when something like that happens, you're like, oh, screw this show. That's stupid. I should have thought about that. But on a show like Watchmen, where so much of it is involving, you see that and you kind of like make excuses. Like, eh, I can guess I can brush that off. Like, I also didn't really, I didn't get how when Lori Blake went to visit Judd Crawford's widow, how she already like put together that like, I think Joe Keen is, um, leading the seventh cavalry and is trying to be president and he's doing all this stuff like how did you get to that <laughs> like I, well i know the plot needed you to get to that but i don't get how you got there without knowing more it's because you haven't you haven't taken any of her nostalgia pills dan come on man exactly maybe she had joking nostalgia pills. i don't know i don't know i, I didn't necessarily take it so much as she had she had arrived at that point with a certainty i i kind of felt like she was just kind of yeah thinking out loud at that point and i'm with you i'm with and you. i think she hit too close to home for the the widow um because yeah she because she said what if what if what if mm-hmm. you know she was just kind of thinking out loud and she obviously hit really close to home hit the nail on the head and you know obviously it got dumped in the basement or whatever which was pretty awesome by which the was way. fun that, that was good a trap door um, I- I fucking love Lori Blake. I wish there were more of her. I love how fed up she is with all of this stupid superhero <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love how she's like. She's like, fine, whatever. You're gonna do this. You're gonna, do this, but just know, I don't give a shit. I'm like, I like the, the, pre- the moment, the, the the like the little few seconds before she fell to like it was a broken trap door, so she didn't go all the way. But she's like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> She's just looking at the willow like, why are you? Why are you doing that? What? What the fuck? Boom! Yeah. Boom. I love how she was like, <laughs> what she like, like, what are you gonna do? You gonna villain monologue at me? Shut up! Like she actually said, like, I hate all the silliness, which is yeah. Again, it makes so much sense because she lived through all that crap. And she's like, right. I'm so tired of trap doors and super villain plots and all this. No, I, I mean, she saw. Yeah, she saw Doctor. I mean, she was there when Ozymandias and Doctor Manhattan and everybody had the big reveal about the squid. I mean, she was right there and saw right. all that. So She's this stuff it. does. Yeah, this does not impress her like a bunch of dudes from Tulsa, you know, warping basketballs across the gym. Like she doesn't care. So yeah, I love that. That attitude was pretty pretty damn awesome. I also like the fact that. Uh... The Widow Crawford. I like her uh, rem- Her remote was basic uh, low-tech. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. That yeah, was it looked so like, low-tech. Yeah, it looked like a TV remote from like the 50s or something like that. I was like, what the hell? Well, no, like, so- you go, if you go back and watch the scene, look at how many chair- chairs there are in that room. 
So I think that from anywhere in that room, she could sit and like press a certain button, and it would coincide to a certain chair. I think there are booby traps all in that room. There have to be, man. Because yeah, there, there are so many television remotes. Yeah, that, that, that was a good touch. There are so many like little, great little touches like that in this show. Like every, like you mentioned earlier, Sister Night, like which is a fake black exploitation movie. I think it's fake, isn't it fake? Um, I think so. I've never heard of it. But like, so, so the idea there it's is like not on Netflix. It's, it's not on Netflix or Disney Plus. So the idea or there is like, <laughs> like, not, like what if the seventies Pam Greer black exploitation movement happened? But superheroes existed. So, of course, Pam Greer would play like a sister knight. Like, it's just, like, those little details are just so delicious. It's so much fun. And there's tons of stuff like that. I like that um, little Angela Ebar was such a badass from the get. Like, from the start, she was a little badass. And that little actress is, fr- is from This Is Us. Uh, the uh, the uh, emotional terrorism show if you've never watched it before uh surprise uh, i have not i have and um it is emotional terrorism um but yeah she does a great job on that show as well but i liked that she just she she wanted to hear that guy get killed (laughs) yeah that was a little creepy but also a great character beat you're right yeah, <laughs> but um, let's okay. So, do you guys did you guys have any idea that Reddit had already fig- figured out that Cal was uh, Doctor Manhattan? No, no, they're not. I, w- I was gonna, I was gonna ask at what point in the episode did y'all realize it? I realized, I realized it when she didn't respond. I, I realized it like a minute before it happened. I realized okay. it a minute before. When Lady True asked her, do you know who Dr. Manhattan is? Don't you want to know? And she, like, didn't say anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. But um, I don't and even then, I was... I, Even then, I was like, what? Wait a second. I, I and then picked... she calls him John. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah, see, I picked up on it when they were having the um, that little lunch or whatever. And because she talked about how full amnesia is completely rare. And right. then, yeah, and then yeah. later on, she said something of, she said something about how her how Cal had amnesia or whatever. I was like, oh shit, because we had been wondering, like John, you know, Doc, where is Doctor Manhattan and why isn't he da da da? And so, yeah, I mean, so a couple minutes for y'all, but when did Reddit know? <laughs> Reddit knew before the premiere aired. Yeah. Fuck. How did they figure it out? From watching the trailer, and they and you know how there's always a cast list and who's playing this person. See that and that the, part was a little to me. I had I did kind of early on assume that it was someone that we uh-huh. were seeing because there wasn't a cast member that we hadn't seen yet. You know what I mean? Right. 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 So that part made me think that, but still, it was it was kind of shocking to have it be Angela. And that's going to be a hell of a. You've got a lot of explaining to do next episode. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, he was. Not only was he, you know, hiding, but like they were in love and that whole thing that they kind of handed out in the preview. And um, I mean, that part is what's going to. You got a lot to explain there. What I like is that it, it, it's kind of like 
the hooded justice reveal, where I think they played completely fair with that. Like, we never knew who justice was. Like, so of course, it could be this guy. Like, that doesn't contradict anything. I also think that Dr. Manhattan falling in love with another younger woman is completely consistent with the character from the totally comics. Not, yes, like, totally Dr. Not, Manhattan yeah. is kind of a player. Like, he oh, is, boy. Is, yeah. is with his wife, and then he leaves her for Laurie, who's younger. And then, his, yeah. Her daughter. <laughs> as Laurie got older. No, it yeah. wasn't her daughter. It was, because uh, he, he was with just his wife, and then he met Laurie, who was still Jupiter's daughter. But whatever, it's, sorry, I apologize for being a nerd. Um, I, and then, yeah, of course, that Silk Spectre gets older, and he leaves her for Angela Atar. So, like, God or not, um, he has kind of a wandering eye, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, which is kind of odd, considering he doesn't really seem to, like, emotionally attach as much as you'd think. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's kind of... I especially enjoyed the fact that she clobbers him in the forehead until she can pull out... But Doctor Manhattan uh, sigil out of his his brain matter, yeah, that's and then intense. as she's looking at it, and you, you're 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 letting it soak in, like oh my god, look, oh my god, and all of a sudden the blue glow it starts to shine in her eyes, and you're like, it, there it is, and she says, "Hi, baby, we got a lot to talk about, or some, or uh, something." We're in trouble, like, I think. You were in trouble, yeah. So uh, I also yeah. like that. Uh, it retroactively made an earlier part that I didn't like make sense. Like I remember in an earlier episode, like Cal was saying, like Doctor Manhattan can't can't turn human or like can't pass himself pass himself off as a human. I heard that and I was like, well, that's stupid. Why not? He's a god; he can do anything. And I think back, like, oh, Cal said it, so he must be the one who needs to believe that the most. So they would have, I don't know, programmed that in or something. So that yeah. made sense retroactively. I do kind of want to go back and see, you know, his, you know, because up until that point, I think we kind of just looked at him as like a background character. Yeah, totally. You know, and so and he's, it, he's had more to do in this episode than he did in, a, in, in any other episode. And I'm talking about like there was that one part where they they hung out with the Crawfords. There was another part where he said, are we going to be OK, Angela, when she's having the flashback to uh the White Knight? And then. uh and then now you got him going up to the police blockade and yelling at people. And I was like, you know, maybe that should have been the moment. <laughs> and I started just going, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, but I didn't. I can't. And also, you know, there's a bit where, like, Lori said he's hot, so that makes more sense looking back on it, too. Like, oh, they're, my they're, God, they're... it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, the next episode in Watchmen is A God Walks Into a Bar. Obviously uh, now, uh, well, there's. Did we talk about uh, Ozymandias farting? Oh no, we did not talk about Ozymandias and what the hell was going on in that scene. Like, I mean, a year-long trial. So from the last time we saw him in episode five, right? Because he wasn't in six, was he? No. That was the no. episode he wasn't in because he's been in every episode well, except one. Pretty much everybody wasn't in episode six, but I know. But um, remember, Lindelof said there was only going to be one episode he wasn't in the in- interview he did. I don't know if you guys read that or not. So, so this was the in in five. So from five to seven has been a year, is the way I took yeah, it. Yeah, but that keeps yeah. that keeps up with what we've seen. Is each time we've seen him, it's been a year has has passed. 
Yeah, yeah but right. like, yeah, 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 you're right. Hilarious. I mean, he looks so, great. Yeah, but it's just, I, I mean, hey, we still don't know. I mean, we know he's up on Europa, which is a moon of what Saturn or J- Jupiter. Okay, sorry, I'm not up on my astronomy. Um, yeah, I but we still don't know for sure who put him there. We assume it's Doctor Manhattan. I mean, who else could it possibly be? I mean, yeah, I don't see, you know, just between the technology, the false the atmosphere that he's got up there on that moon, people. the clones, you know, I mean, some of that stuff maybe, you know, True could have done, but like creating an atmosphere on the planet without like actually creating like a, you know, like a enclosure, you know, that's got to be Manhattan. So, and I mean, and Manhattan said at, at the end of the comic book, I want to go create some life. So, Right. I think the life he made were the weird river clone babies, and maybe it wasn't a great success, but, you know, he did it. Points for effort. Yeah, and so it, it's still, but it's like, well, okay, even if he's found guilty, like, what are they... I can't imagine that Dr. Manhattan is setting Ozymandias up to, like, die, you know, because he went outside his, the prison or whatever it was. So it's like, well, what's his punishment going to be? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's, I just, re- that whole scene, it's like, what is going on? But um, yeah, like, well, everything, everything with uh, Ozymandias up in, up in his interdimensional prison have been hilarious and like over the top and amazing because of Jeremy Irons. I can't imagine that they would have anything else happen that wouldn't be so outrageous that we go, yeah, that's on brand. I can, I can see that happening. I so mean, like, yes, go ahead. It's been funny. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, not, I'm sorry, David. I'm interrupting you. Go, go ahead. You can finish your thing. Well, I was gonna say. So like, you know, I'm totally on board with the fact that Lady True has some kind of powers of prescience. I don't know. Maybe she's working with Doctor Manhattan, and she goes and tries to buy that farm uh, right as Ozymandias is crash landing on Earth, and then you know you. He, I think Ozymandias is hanging out in her terrarium, just her atrium, just just chilling, you know. Like look at it, you look at the bronze, the, the statue. Like that's what to me says it all. That statue is Jeremy Irons, as we saw him at the trial. Like I, I would like to go look at that that statue and go, okay, does it have a little tear? Like what was that tear about? Did you guys notice the tear on the on the on the left eyelid, I believe, or the right eyelid? For the statue. Like yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, of Jeremy Irons at at his own trial, or like Ozymandias, I mean, at his own trial. I was like, why? Why did you have a tear come out? Because everybody's saying guilty, 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 guilty. I know there's kids. I mean, I I I will say now that I mean I've enjoyed the Ozymandias breaks. They've been fun. They've been these like little weird absurdist theater segments of the episodes. I do think it's starting to get a little past time where he needs to integrate into the rest of the show. Like it was fun for a while. Jeremy Irons is great, and the, the, you know it's it's fun to see a bunch of pigs run through a courtroom because you know apparently he's a pig and him to fart in his own defense. It, it's it's all good stuff. But like we have two episodes left. I, I feel like Damon Lindelof is maybe playing it out a bit, like. I agree with you in terms of, like the plot stuff. I, I, I think he's in Lady True's terrarium too, but I, I think it's time for him to, you know, 
make his mark known in the rest of the plot. Yeah, I agree. So, um, any more, any more questions about about the episode there, Smith, since you joined us right at the last second? Uh, I mean, I think most of my episodes, like we just said, I mean, most of my questions still revolve around Ozymandias. Um, I think we've kind of gotten an idea maybe of where, you know, Manhattan's going and, and kind of everything in Tulsa and all that stuff, um, where that might be going. And obviously we saw, um, Seventh Cavalry, or their plan is not to just learn how to transport basketballs. You know, clearly they're trying to replicate the accident that created Manhattan. Oh, right? oh, oh! Where's Wade? Where's Wade? Yeah, where's Wade? I mean, I gotta think he's worked his way back to the J.C. Penney, um, the the abandoned mall, or whatever. I mean, he he knew about that. The right? Starport so, Mall. Right, so yeah, the Starcourt Mall. Um, it's all connected. So, yeah, exactly. So I got to think that you know he he fought off those guys, and he's going back to to the mall to find out what exactly is going on. Um, and then obviously, um, creepy senator guy whose name I always forget. He, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, he wants to be the next Doctor Manhattan, and they're you know, going to try and trap him and kill him and then take his powers or replicate the accident or some combination of that, you know, those events. Um, I did think it was, you know, to, to circle back way back to your comment earlier about the show being about uh, race in America, Dan, I, I, I did think what's it, uh, Keen, his comment about, you know, it's hard to be a white man in America <laughs> now. I was just like, oh, my God, dude. First of all, it's the 80s. The 80s were like the heyday of it's being a white man. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is it yeah, it's 2019. To... Oh, okay. My bad. Folks still say that now. Like, that is the unimaginative neckbeard Twitter guy cry. See, I just, yeah. And see, like, I, I did when I... When he said that, I rolled my eyes because I did feel like that was a little bit like, like you said, that's the unimaginative. Like, that's just what everybody's saying right now. It's hard to be the white guy in America or whatever. And I just felt like that was kind of like, you know, I mean, the the rest of the dialogue on the show is so great. So that kind of line was just like, uh, okay. Um, I mean, you're a senator. I don't know how hard your life is. Um, but anyways. Um, I mean... I think that's the kind of casual racism that the show is indicting. Like, people unironically say that. Like, that's why we rolled our eyes. That's why Lori Blake rolled her eyes hardcore when he said that. I mean, I thought that line was pretty deliberately written to be talking about, you know, like, men's rights activists today. Like, you know, people like Richard Spencer and... The uh, Charlottesville the type marchers who totally say that and believe it. Yeah, the entire um, the entire MAGA movement, basically. I mean, I, mean, I, again, I know you get into politics. I get it, but I still, know, I'll, I'll, but call, I mean, I'll call. This show it is really political. I don't know how we don't don't do it. Amen. Um, I had a, a little brief theory about um, if I can run by it quickly about kind of what what the show is doing with its. And I realize disclaimer: we are all white men. 
but uh, I'm going to defecate anyway. Um, I was thinking about it and just, you know how when Obama was elected and there were like people earnestly reporting and thinking and like writing think pieces about like, have we gone into a post-racial America? Is racism for like people actually were thinking that because we like the black president. And of course, (laughs) um, what we saw instead, there was this big backlash. There was the tea party. There was the birther movement. There were all these things that showed like, uh, nope, I guess not. (laughs) Racism is still around. (laughs) Um, I got to thinking, I, I, I think like this is kind of what Watchmen is doing is doing something like that, but souped up. So Robert Redford is president and he's instituted, like he's made reparations part of the constitution or at least by law, you know, he's taken these huge steps to redress racial violence. He's paying out, you know, large sums of money to people who survived the Tulsa massacre and their descendants. So I think it's the same thing. So what does the backlash look like in a world populated by superheroes? The white supremacists, you know, not to associate with everybody, but like kind of that reactionary movement looks way worse instead of just people, you know, marching like idiots in Charlottesville. It's supervillains getting together and uh, trying to become <laughs> God. Like th- th- that's what the backlash <laughs> looks like in this world where superheroes are real and Dr. Manhattan's a thing um, is one way I think it, the show's kind of toying with recent American history as it toys with older American history too. I don't love Joe Keane as a villain, by the way. I don't think he's very deep. Like, you know, on, on a show with like, uh, with so many great characters, like Will Reeves is hugely explored. Angela Abar, Laurie Blake, Looking Glass for all these really, really rich characters. He's kind of like tie a woman to a railroad tracks type right now. And I sort of doubt they're going to flesh him out too deeply before the end, um, which is a little disappointing because the original Watchmen, you know, and, and Lindelof said this in an interview. He said, like, in the original Watchmen, like, Ozymandias is both the hero who saves the world and the villain who destroys, who kills a million people. Um, I kind of doubt we're going to get that sort of complexity from Joe Keen, but maybe the, yeah. the style I... is intentional because he is trying to indict this type of, you know, real life. Gonna, I think at, at this point, I think at this point, if the show were going to have a villain with um, real depth to them, they would have kept um, Don Johnson alive. Because I could see Judd Crawford going through this entire season and then the big, you know, twirl yeah. your mustache reveal of the KKK outfit in the closet. So, I don't know. I just don't... You're right. It's hard for me to look at... Um, I think his name is Walken. James Walken. And, and not see Friday Night Lights. So, I, it's really hard. But, um... We also... Before we close, we have to address the fact... Was... was Okay, is his name Red Scare? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> was he eating Cheetos with a fork? Yeah, he was. Yes, okay. he was. Okay, I just wanted to make that clear. This is a podcast of the people, and, you know, I mean, we talk about fast food all the time, and that man was eating Cheetos with a fork, which is kind of ingenious. I wish I wasn't 37 years old and never thought of that. 
<laughs> but I just wanted to make sure that was what was going on. I mean, there's a lot of heavy plot points on this uh, show and things get left behind. But, you know, that's one I didn't want to make sure we, we, we touched on. Well, um, so the next episode is a god walks into a bar, and after that is see how they fly, whatever that means. I I have a feeling we won't know until the preview for that episode comes up at the end of episode eight. Like we kind of could pick out some of this stuff and guess a little bit here and there, but now that we're facing down the barrel of two episodes left, um, really a god walks into a bar is about as easy as it comes. Yeah. I think- uh, you think they have enough runway left? Um, <laughs> I hope Lindelof so. said, like, you're probably panicking because only two episodes left, but don't panic. Um, I don't know. I think they've earned trust enough that I'm willing to go with it at this point, but um, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they don't have to answer every question. I, I, I don't, I'm not they one of those people that needs, you know, right. I don't think they will. So, you know, they don't have to, and I don't think they will. But even even that being said, they've raised so many questions over the season. You know, I I do wonder if they're going to have enough, you know, runway to kind of bring us in with a lot of the, the show's bigger, you know, points. Like, um, you know, Hood Justice background. What's going on with Ozymandias? Why did Dr. Manhattan lose his memories and turn into a, a black man that you could hit with a hammer and pull out a ring. Like there's just a lot of stuff to, to unpack. And it seems like next episode, we're really going to focus on Manhattan and, and Angela's uh, relationship and how Manhattan, you know, came to be who he was. So then that just leaves the finale and man, there's a lot to, to, answer so i mean i think they can do it i'm just i am a little bit like uh you know there's so much it's not so. really lindelof's style to um <laughs> answer all your questions well that's I true think he likes to uh leave threads hanging i i mean i mean okay, i'll say but... this like the show's been good enough i mean like we want more i mean it, it, it's been good enough that i don't want it to end with one season although you know if, if, if it's a if it's if itself if itself kind of uh, uh, closed off, then more power to it. Um, I'm just hoping for something evocative and on track with the rest of the show. But yeah, I agree with you that it seems like we're running out of time, but um, it's been so good up to this point that I'm willing to just see what else it does. I'm, I, I'm willing to be impressed again. Yeah, for sure. So am I, I got one more question. Go ahead. Have you all watched The Irishman yet? No. Not all the way through yet. Golly, what is wrong with y'all? y'all Time. It is a very, very long movie. I had to split it into two different nights. Um, but That's been my problem. I've had to do other things. I yeah. would try and see it this weekend. I mean, I think they're playing it around me at a, at a movie theater. Yeah, I think they put it. Yeah, yeah they put it in the theaters because um, they they put it. They're putting forward for best picture. Um, but Spielberg year. just hates that. What's that? But Spielberg Spiel- just hates that. Yeah, but him and I mean, yeah, it gets all kinds of messy because I mean they they put it in theaters because if I'm not mistaken, it still has to show in X amount of theaters to be considered, right? I don't exactly know, but maybe. 
don't know. I think that I, I, f- I felt like that was part of it. Like it has to show in at least, um, you know, it has to have a theatrical release and they haven't necessarily cleaned up the rules on streaming versus theatrical as far as best picture and all that stuff goes. But I mean, it's, it's a fantastic film. I'm kind of disappointed you guys haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a Scorsese film. Any, any of his film, like if you like his stuff, you're going to like the Irishman. It's, it's, it's not him breaking the mold or exploring, you know, new filming techniques or, you know, shaky cam or whatever i mean it's it's scorsese it's de niro it's pacino it's joe pesci and you know i mean it's fantastic film but yeah it is it is pretty long so i would like to watch it very much yeah all the way through here for me so anyway well all right debbie downers (laughs) i want to see it what can i do We just not we're not on his watching scale right now. I don't know what it is. Like well, I have fear of missing out last week. time. All my shows uh, ended last week. There I you mean, go. Oh, uh, but tomorrow Viking starts. Viking, Viking starts. Back. Yeah, and then what? There's something else that's coming out that comes out that starts up again soon. Because um, I mean, Watchmen's about to end. Well, you, The Witcher comes out the end of the month. The Witcher, have... okay, there, that's what it is. So The Witcher comes out, and then Vikings, so I'll have another couple shows, because, yeah, I mean, because Watchmen will be over soon, and, like, Walking Dead, and Mr. Between, and Mine. I saw, Mine. wait, you just reminded me of something. I saw a title um, about, I guess it made them from the AV Club. They said, get ready for 48 straight weeks of The Walking Dead, and it's oh, like... Lord. Fear the Walking Dead runs into The Walking Dead, which is going to run into uh, whatever the, the other world beyond. Yeah, but it's just see, I'm not. I just caught up on main Walking Dead. I haven't caught up on Fear the Walking Dead, and I mean, maybe I'll catch the other one as it starts, just to save myself the trouble. But I mean, yeah, The Witcher and then Vikings comes back. You could skip Fear the Walking Dead. It's total garbage, worse than the main show. The main show's had kind of a better season than it's had in a long time, so... Yeah, but they film it all around here in Austin. They filmed it, like, places where I've gone to eat dinner and stuff like that, so that's kind of... I don't know. Gotcha. All right, well, listen, so uh, we're going to be back for the season finale. So after we've watched... See how they fly in two weeks. We're going to come talk about it on Take the Black. So for myself, for Dan, and for Corey Smith, this has been Take the Black, Volado Mogulis. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.